Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We're really excited that you're here. I think we've got a good episode coming up for you. Trey Lyle is back in the co-host seat again this week after... He missed it last week when I was talking to Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. But Trey is back this week. We got a lot to talk about. Nolan Arenado was traded to the Cardinals. No one was elected to the Hall of Fame. JT Realmuto re-signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. And we might have a delayed start to the MLB season once again. A lot to dive into today. Trey, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Obviously, uh, unlike you, I work during the day. It's a crazy concept, so couldn't get the interview done when when we talked to it but uh just want to reiterate how great uh Hank Aaron was for the game of baseball but for society in general I think um top 20 player of all time um the home run king I still call him the home run king like I could also call Barry Bonds and we'll get into that later in this podcast and my opinion about Bonds the home run king but don't you feel how great Aaron is and his impact on the game and for generations later seeing the outpouring of sport not just from the baseball world but the sports world entirely just as the impact that Hank Aaron had on the game of baseball and I think in part was you know his games were on TBS and this is a great point brought up like he was part of the you know his rise even though it was in the south was on a national television station as the rise of cable came on. So with the Braves being on TBS and then his rise to infamy kind of created that that kind of aura and legend that is Hank Aaron. Yeah, I think it's, uh, like you said, a lot of support, not just from the baseball world, but from all sections of the world. And we talked about it just a couple of weeks ago in the podcast when it was MLK Day. We talked about how sports and the civil rights movement were really intertwined especially baseball with guys like Jackie Robinson and Hank Aaron at the forefront of the civil rights movement and so it's just really sad that you know not very long after MLK Day this year after we talked about the impact that Hank Aaron had in advancing the cause of civil rights in this country he passed away at the age of 86 so it was very sad a lot of support from all over the world Uh, if you haven't listened already go check out last week's episode i talked with gabe burns the braves beat writer of the atlanta journal constitution he had some great insight he has met hank aaron a couple of times and so he was able to really speak on the the kind of man that hank aaron was so uh, yeah again our thoughts and prayers with hank aaron's family and with the entire atlanta braves organization yeah gabe was a great fill-in for me last week and you know probably even a better personal for this podcast than me uh so highly recommend going listen to it i was able to listen to it and matt as always you did a phenomenal job thank you trey i appreciate that let's get into a little bit of the current news of the day uh the major league baseball players association is expected to reject major league baseball's proposal to delay the season by about a month I think it would start on April 28th under this proposal, and it would last 154 games. Now, the interesting thing about this proposal, that's only eight fewer games, so it's not a huge cut. The players would still get paid for a full 162-game season. So from a player's perspective, it's like you still get paid, you play fewer games, and the season is delayed a month 
to hopefully allow the coronavirus cases to go down across the country. I don't really see a downside other than we have to wait longer for baseball. We have to wait another month, but we waited a long time. What's another month? We get eight fewer games. Eight is not really going to make that much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. And the players still get paid for a full season. I don't really see the downside in that deal. Yeah, I think there's other provisions to it, such as, you know, the universal DH, which I think will be eventually passed this year. I think if you hear everything around it, it's going to get passed. I think a couple other things played into a part of why it getting rejected. And this might just be a rejection to reject. And we're going to get maybe they want 10 less games with a full contract. Like, who knows? Like, We'll see what happens. I am not surprised. Like, I think the worst relationship in sports between a union and its players organization is uh, the MLB and its players, or maybe the MLS and its players. Also, hockey doesn't have the best relationship, those three. Like, it's nothing like the NFL and the, you know, NFLPA. And then, obviously, I think the pinnacle is obviously the NBA and its players association really are in lockstep a lot of times in terms of how they work. So, and you notice what two sports are doing the best. It's when your players and your ownership are, are somewhat in lockstep. I think the NFL is just such a juggernaut, but the NBA's rise has come mainly because of a focus on the players and increasing that relationship and why Adam Silver is revered as such a good commissioner is because he he's able to play the perfect balance of ownership and players, which is something obviously Rob Manfred wasn't able to do. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, playing into this, Ken Griffey Jr., was announced as a special advisor to the commissioner. I jokingly tweeted, can we just make him commissioner, which would actually be pretty cool. And, you know, Ken Griffey's not focused on, you know, player relations, but, you know, community outreach and minority communities and and stuff along that. So I think that would be something important to see. Maybe a guy like Ken Griffey Jr. could be like the Michael Jordan in basketball because Michael Jordan was the one, you know, had kind of got both sides, the ownership and the players. And if you understand how those negotiations work, especially with the bubble, like it was him that kind of reached the players and bridged the gap. Whereas, you know, they need that kind of influence and Ken Griffey Jr. could be that. Yeah. Yeah. I think having Ken Griffey Jr. in the commissioner's office is definitely a good move. He, I mean, he made baseball so much more popular in the 1990s, just with his style of play and his personality So having him in the commissioner's office, he's a guy that knows how to reach younger generations, how to give the fans what they want. And and you're right. I mean, in the past, what, two, three weeks, we've had two really great guys join the commissioner's office in Theo Epstein and Ken Griffey Jr. Either of them, if they became commissioner, I'd be happy with it because I think they're very smart guys. They love baseball like that. They actually love the game, unlike some of the higher ups in Major League Baseball who were not so sure if they actually love the game or not. But Ken Griffey Jr. and Theo Epstein, they both are in it because they love the game. And so they are very good guys to have in high-level positions in the Major League Baseball in commissioner's office. So I think that it's a very good move having Ken Griffey Jr. there. I don't know what is going to happen with these negotiations between the league and the Players Association. I, ju- I just feel like we're in for another, another instance of what happened last summer, where it's just back and forth, arguing through the media, leaking different... Uh, different proposals, leaking the rejections, all this stuff. It's, it's going to be battled out through the media again. They're just going to go back and forth, and we're not going to really know what's happening until right before the season starts, and it's it's going to be really annoying. Absolutely. I completely agree. It's, it's unfortunate, but I guess it's the way that things are now. Yeah. Unfortunate. 
to say the least. So we are just a few weeks away from spring training. Or at least we hope spring training. Yeah, if it begins at the time that it is supposed to begin. So we will see if a few weeks from now we actually have teams breaking camp at spring training or if we are just sitting and playing the waiting game, waiting to see what happens between the Major League Baseball Players Association and the league as they try to negotiate the 2021 season. Uh, Some other big news this week as the best third baseman in Major League Baseball was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. And just looking at this whole saga, of course, we're talking about Nolan Arenado, the former third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. I just you look at this whole saga with Nolan Arenado and the Rockies, and I just don't know where it went wrong. I mean, two years ago in February of 2019, he signed an eight year, two hundred and sixty million dollar contract with the Rockies that to me signaled that the Rockies wanted him there and he wanted to be there. Maybe he just wanted the money, $260 million on the table. I don't blame him for taking that, but it, it looks, it looked then like both parties wanted to be together for at least the next eight years. And then somewhere something went wrong and he wanted out of there. I think it was right before the beginning of last season, right before the beginning of spring training last year, when he, he made some comments saying that, he didn't think the Rockies were in a place where they could win, and he wants to be on a winner. So, first of all, why do you sign that eight-year contract if you don't want to be there, if you want to be on a winning team, and that team that you signed that contract with is very clearly not a winning team? So, Can I interrupt I that, that point? Because uh, yeah. we're seeing something like that in football with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson obviously wants out of the Houston Texans, and he, he last offseason signed a, a, you know, a four-year, $150 million extension. And in my opinion, is you take the money when it's offered to you. And I think you don't reject um, that kind of money. And it could have been something on the preface, like, I'm going to sign this to give you faith for one season. And if it doesn't work, I want out of here. I think you don't blame – I don't think you blame a player for taking, you know, $200 million when it's offered to him as, you know, a guaranteed way. Like, you truly don't know what you're going to get on the free market. Great. And I think Nolan Arenado would have got that, but – I think for someone like him, he's like, all right, I think the Rockies can win. And so I'm going to sign it at the time. And then he goes to that season, realizes they don't. And then he changes his tune. And I think it's the same thing with Deshaun Watson. Like he signs $150 million extension after they won the division. But then, you know, the front office hijinks happens and, and the distrust is for him. And that's why he wants out. But at the time, you take the money. Because if I was offered $150 million, I don't care if I was playing for – a triple a team i would take that money like it's it's a generational wealth that you're building and so yeah yeah i mean i understand signing that contract but it's just i don't know i just i just don't know what went wrong in that like in less than a year after signing that contract where he decided that he wanted out of colorado and what what i also don't understand the rockies not only did they trade away the best third baseman in major league baseball they also are sending $50 million to the Cardinals. And what are they getting in return? Who I knows? actually haven't seen what they're getting in return. Uh, I saw something I today. It was knows. like four players and some other and some prospects. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, if you wanted, I guess, talent and needed a third baseman, I wouldn't have gone with the Cardinals because of their farm system is, you know, okay. Like, you know, I guess the Padres didn't need a third baseman, but I would have looked at a team like – you know, Tampa, honestly, would have been a team I could look at that that could have, you know, swung for the fences. They have the prospects to do it. I know that's not how Tampa build 
But I think Arenado could fit their system and how they want to play, especially, you know, being such a good defensive third baseman. Um, I think there, there probably was a better offer out there. And it just, you know, what team wanted to take that contract and really desperately needed a third baseman? Like, if you look at the top-end teams, you know, I thought the Dodgers were the obvious choice, but maybe because the Dodgers are going to be committing a lot of money to, you know, Cody Bellinger and Corey Seager and what they have on the table now, they didn't want to absorb that contract. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. What if you're going to send $50 million? I mean, uh, like, I guess, I mean, that helps. You know what? I've come to the conclusion that just nothing makes sense anymore. That's a good point. You know, in these times, nothing makes sense, my friend. Like, uh, the best third baseman in baseball is not enough that, that, that you need to send $50 million along with him. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. The Players Association and the league not being able to ever come to an agreement on anything, that doesn't make any sense. Nothing makes sense in baseball anymore. The only thing that does make sense is what we said a few minutes ago, Ken Griffey Jr. being in the commissioner's office. Yeah, absolutely. It made um, complete sense. I think Ken Griffey Jr. was a home run hire to bring that kind of voice in and the outreach he can do because you even talk to like young athletes in other sports and they know how big of an athlete Ken Griffey Jr. was. He had that crossover appeal. Some other movements, offseason news, hot stove stuff going on around Major League Baseball. The Phillies signed JT Realmuto back. He signed a five-year, 115 million dollar contract the biggest contract ever for a catcher in major league baseball so congratulations to jt Realmuto getting his money congratulations to the phillies getting the best catcher in baseball back in philadelphia for the next five years i don't know that it really sets them up to win because they had him the past two years and they didn't win so you know i mean it they're they're not any worse off, but I don't know that they're any better off, really. Yeah, but they got the best catcher in baseball, and then after the Mets made a move for McCann, it was more of an if-than-win kind of scenario. And so, Raul Muto gets paid. They obviously have the Bryce Harper contract. So, you know, two great players committing a lot of money to. The Phillies, I think, need to improve the pitching the most. That's where they need to improve, especially in their bullpen. So, we'll see what happens with that team. He was actually on MLB Network Radio this afternoon. I was working the show that he came on, and in the interview, he said that the front office guys with the Phillies, they they were saying that they want to win, and they told him that when they were you know pitching their contract to him, trying to get him to resign there. They told him that they want to win, that they're in win mode, and that's part of what drew him back to Philadelphia, so... I guess they think that they can win, and they do have some good players. Obviously, Real Muto, we've said, is the best catcher in baseball. They have Bryce Harper, who can be very good at times, but doesn't always live up to the hype. They have Reese Hoskins, who, like Harper, he can be very good at times, but not as good as you expect him to be. He had a fantastic rookie season. I don't think he's really lived up to that since then. They did bring back Didi Gregorius. He's a very good shortstop, so a good move bringing him back to Philadelphia. They have, a, you know, they have the pieces there. I just don't know if they're going to be able to put it together and field a complete team that's able to win a division title or even a playoff spot. They didn't get to the playoffs this year in the expanded playoffs, the biggest playoffs in Major League Baseball history. So I don't know if they'll be able to get there this year. And their bullpen was their biggest issue. So, I mean, obviously they have to fix that. But, yeah, I mean... Good for them bringing Real Muto back. He, he he was probably the priority of the offseason, and good for him for 
getting that big contract, the biggest ever for a catcher in Major League Baseball. New on the podcast this week, we have a brand new segment that was an idea of my fiance, and she has never been on the podcast before. She's been bugging me for the past couple months to get on, and so we're finally letting her make her foul ball area debut. Ladies and gentlemen, Mariah Craddock. I'm here, and we're doing double duty on this content because we're also filming this for my blog, which is food and beer related, so beer is where we overlap. Yeah, so this is going to be fun and interesting. And you're not used to having a camera on you while you're talking. No, I'm not. Just a microphone. And you haven't looked at the camera. (laughs) Wait to to to? our visual people. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Okay, so... When so what are we, we doing today? When we first started dating, let me give you guys a little bit of a backstory. Oh, yeah. My first taste of craft beer was when I met your parents for the first time. The morning after my 21st birthday, <laughs> I was hungover. Randy and Laura, if you're listening, now you know. Um, and we went to meet them at a brewery in Harrisonburg, where you're from. And I ordered a beer. I had no idea what I was looking for, and I did not like it. <laughs> but I choked it down. What did, do you even remember what you got? Um, I think it was some sort of pilsner. It wasn't a pilsner. It was. It might have been an IPA. I think I ordered an IPA Probably. because I was like, oh, cool, people drink IPAs. So I'll probably <laughs> like that. Since then, I figured out I hate IPAs, and I don't like hops, but my favorite kind of beer is a sour. So today we're going to be taste testing a few one i've had before and two are going to be new to the both of us all right i'm excited let's do this all right let's crack open these cans which Which, one are we going with first i feel like let's go with the one i know all right so we're gonna go with this is the dogfish head sea quench ale session sour it is blissfully brewed with lime juice lime peel black limes and sea salt um this is one of my favorite beers ever it is very easy to drink you hear that (laughs) and um it's a great like summer beer yeah i think the first time you had this was when we spent a weekend at your river house yes they i have had some other dogfish head beers they're pretty good cheers cheers your face didn't really look like you enjoyed that um it is (laughs) sour yeah (laughs) i'll give it that on the sour scale from 1 to 10, 10 being like very sour, warhead sour, I would say it's probably like a 7. Yeah, it's pretty sour. I do taste the lime though, and so I can see how that would make it a very good summer beer. Yeah, very refreshing. But today it is, sn- excuse me, today it is snowing outside, so not very summer at all. No, not very. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah, you can have the rest of that. I'll finish that one later. The next one we're going to try is one that you picked up. It is a Thai sour from Ballad Brewing in Danville, Virginia. So it's kind of local, local to the yeah. state. Cool packaging. And you had something else from them last night. Yes. Watching the game. It, it was, was also a sour. A so lime they must ginger be, sour. Yeah, they must be about the sours. I'm not sure what makes this Thai. Let's see if they have any notes on it. It does have a description. Inspired by Thai cuisine, this graduate of our experimental cask program combines lemongrass, galangal, holy basil, and the Thai bird's eye chilies from 
for a combination of sour, sweet, and a little bit of spicy. Ooh, interesting. A, yeah, I don't think I've ever had a spicy one. Cheers. Oh, oh. Whoa. So this one definitely tastes like Thai food. Yeah. I get where they're getting that from. I can taste the it basil. It smells like it, too. Yeah, it smells like curry, like Thai curry. Whoa. This one is good, but I would not drink more than one of these at a time. No. I, this is not an easy drinking kind of sour. No. This is a... I want an experience kind of sour. So, some background for our listeners and viewers. Mariah and I do not have the same taste in beer at all. <laughs> she really likes these sours. I really like pretty much anything else. Not really IPAs, but pretty much anything else. You like some IPAs. You're getting some. into them a little bit. And every time that I have a beer, I'll let Mariah try it. <laughs> and half the reason I let her try it is because I know she's not going to like it. And she makes this disgusted face every time she takes a sip. And I feel like I'm doing the same thing right now because these beers are all so sour. And I just, this not what I expect when I drink a beer. And I'm just, the viewers of this are going to get some <laughs> interesting faces. Face. Yeah. Well, and part of the reason that I propose this segment is because, like, I feel that I'm a very unconventional beer enthusiast. Yeah. You know, most people, I like a Pilsner. I like a, um... Like a Bud Light, oh, yeah, PBR, the classics, like the lagers classics. and pilsners, they're easy to drink. But I know I do not like the flavor of hops very much. Yeah. So a little bit of beer trivia: IBUs, International Bitterness Unit. The more IBUs in a beer, the more bitter, the more hops in it usually. So if you're like me and you do not like the flavor of hops, then go with something below. I try to say below thirty, below fifteen if possible. Yeah. All right, so here's our third and final. This one is the Legend Brewing Company Black Current Berliner Weiss. Is that how you would say it, or would you say yeah, Berliner? Berliner? Berliner Weiss. Um, Legend is one of the oldest breweries in Richmond. We've in Virginia, been there. actually. Oh, in Virginia. Yeah. I didn't know. 1992, I think. We have been there a few times. If you are local to the area, um, they are right on the river, which is really cool and very unique for Richmond. There's not a lot of river eatery spots um and they have a lot of great beers that they brew right here in the city yeah so berliner weiss i'm not sure if it exactly qualifies as a sour um i think it's a type of german sour yeah it says berliner weiss is a mildly soured variation of the traditional german wheat beers so it's a wheat beer with a little bit of sour in it also so this is a great like in the middle kind of beer for yeah. us Mm, that one's good. I think that one's my favorite of the three that we've tried. If you're not watching us, that was the most pleased his face looked of the three we've tried. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what black currant is, but oh, on the can enough. they say feel free to experiment and try your own flavor combinations. Oh. So, I guess they suggest that you mix it with other things. Yeah. Well, I think they have a couple other flavors that they make. Yeah, I definitely get the wheat taste in this one at they the end, a, but not overwhelming. Blood orange one from them, I think. Yeah, they had yeah. that one over the summer, and it was excellent. Yeah. 
It's not bad. You could finish that one? Yeah. All right. Well, any other tasting notes you feel like I should give? I'm new to this whole podcasting thing. <laughs> um, just, no, I don't think so. We didn't really plan this. We kind of just winged it. I don't know if I should turn towards the microphone or the camera. Maybe we should have put them on the same side. That would have been smarter. That would have been smarter. Next time we know. The yeah. next segment that I'm on, this is not the last you'll be hearing no, my voice. No, this can be a weekly segment. A weekly segment? Maybe yeah. we don't try three every time because Maybe. it's not like we're going to be able to save these. Like somebody has to drink them today. Yeah, are you going to work tomorrow? Yeah, but I can drink two beers and be fine. There's three here. Okay, I can drink three beers and be fine. <laughs> All right. All right, well, this has been the first edition of... So you don't like beer, huh? <laughs> uh, encouraging all of you out there who think you don't like beer to try something new and see what you might actually like. Thank you to my wonderful fiance for joining me, and she will be back, so get used to hearing her voice. Woo! All right, a couple more things before we wrap up today's edition of the podcast. The Mets were having a great offseason, so but they're still, they're still the New York Mets, and it wouldn't be a Mets offseason if something or a couple things didn't go wrong somewhere along the way. First, they hired a new general manager, Jared Porter. He was supposed to be a very, very good general manager, received a lot of praise when he was hired, but he has since been fired after it came out that he was sending explicit text messages to a female reporter. He was fired the next morning. Then, Mets billionaire owner Steve Cohen was somehow involved in the GameStop short squeeze. I don't really know anything about stocks. I don't exactly know what's going on. Steve Cohen, I think the way he's involved in this is that his firm bailed out another hedge fund company. And so he is somehow involved with this now. He's on the side of the billionaire hedge funds. A lot of people were upset with him. Dave Portnoy ripped into him on Twitter. I'm not a fan of Dave Portnoy though, so I I don't really know. I don't really like either of them um but steve cohen is in hot water now in the public because of the gamestop short squeeze and his role with the hedge funds and now coming out of course we are recording on monday night so coming out just a few minutes ago from ken rosenthal breaking news (laughs) yeah breaking news from ken rosenthal five women detail lewd unwanted advances from mickey calloway the former mets manager spanning at least five years and three different teams it would not be a New York Mets offseason if multiple things did not go wrong. Of course, fully condemn the actions of Mickey Calloway and Jared Porter. It's obviously terrible. No one should have to go through that. Yeah, and, and to speak on that, Matt, and I know you'll agree with this, like we've had we have friends who we graduated with that are female reporters that want to be in sports. And they're really good at their jobs, like from from our interactions. And so and there are a lot of great female reporters in the game of baseball. I mean Jessica Mendoza does a great job on Sunday night baseball. Like females are very active in the game of baseball, which I think is a really good thing. And there are great, you know, female reporters out there. And for them to be treated that way, is just, it's sick to your stomach, you know, uh, how they get treated because they do great work um, in any sport and in sports in general, where, you know, historically they've, gotten you know they're behind the eight ball so to say like in terms of you know just how it's been the the good old boys club per se is is what i think about and and it's you know it it's really bull crap and so 
it's actions yeah, that it just is. are awful and you feel for those women yeah it's terrible and it's terrible that anyone would have to go through that when they're just trying to do their job yeah um trey you have some stuff you want to talk about regarding the hall of fame vote from this year yeah so now the third in five years i believe or th- yeah or the third time since what the modern era of voting in baseball we don't have it and it's the second time in what five years four years Something like Something that. Something like that. Pretty recent. We do not have a Hall of Fame class this year. Granted, we sort of do because last year's class is getting inducted this year due to COVID. And one involves Derek Cheater. And at this point, I'm starting to think the Hall of Fame's a joke in baseball. I really do. Because Kurt Schilling didn't get in because of his political views. And whether you agree with him or not, that's just crap. Like, this dude's a Hall of Fame pitcher, especially his performances in the postseason. I mean, he had one of those iconic performances in postseason history with the Bloody Sock game. And I'm a Yankees fan saying this. Like, his political views are what they are, and you could disagree with them, and they can be whatever. The fact that he didn't get – and he knows why he didn't get in. That's why he sent this, the letter to the – you know, the Hall of Fame committee just asking for the Legends panel to ask him in. And the baseball writers are so cocky about themselves, like, oh, he's got to stay on the ballot for his 10th year. It, it's just such a farce at this point. Like, Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Barry freaking Bond should be in the Hall of Fame. And Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, steroids were part of the game of baseball. And I know Pete Rose's story is different. But – he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame just as much as Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. But, like, everyone was freaking doing it at that time. And it was more of a, like, I think baseball is a whole messed up. And to blame the players for it is dumb because Bud Siegley was a part of it. I mean, there's players in there that were connected to steroids. Jeff Bagwell, Pudge Gonzalez. Like, and you're not – you're just singling out the, you know, the elite of the elite because of what they did. Like – if you look at Barry Bonds' career, like, the dude's got seven MVP. Like, his stats are, are too good to pass up where he belongs to the, you know, the GOAT conversation for baseball, but he's not going to be in there because of steroids, which was just normal in the game. Like, that's what pisses you off the most. I think you are on the other side of this a little bit. I think I'm pretty sure. But I'm getting to the point where it's like, like, all right, don't put him in the first ballot, but the dude should be in the Hall of Fame. And, like, you can honestly tell the game like you could it's like always going to be connected to him like where he's in a hall like let's be frank here oj simpson is in the nfl hall of fame nfl he's an nfl hall of famer and whatever oj did allegedly is a hundred times worse than what barry bonds did let's let's yeah but to be fair he was a hall of famer before he did i understand that but i'm just saying like i'm trying to point out like I so here's my take on this whole thing. You can tell the story of baseball and tell the story of the steroids era without putting them in the Hall of Fame. There's people that say the Hall of Fame is a museum and they need to be in there to tell their stories. There there's the Hall of Fame and then there's the museum. There is a museum there, but the Hall of Fame is where you put people who were the best at the game and represent the game in the best possible way, and you want to honor them and respect them, you put them in the Hall of Fame. The museum is where you tell the stories of everything. So you can put Barry Bonds there, tell his story, 
but he does not belong in the Hall of Fame with the all-time greats. Even though he was a great player, he still cheated. And to I, me, I, he, you just well, can't one, put him in the Hall proven, of Fame. But let's, I mean, uh, he never got proven, but, it was but everybody knows. But here's the thing, and I saw this point brought up. Kids our age watch the game of baseball, a lot of them, because of Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Like, that's the reason they got into baseball. And so how can you not tell the story of the Hall of Fame? It, like, they belong in. Like, I, I get it if someone came up to me and was like, and, and I know people like this, if Pete Rose can't get in, Barry Bonds can't get in. That, to me, at least is, you know, a, like a good argument. I would say about not letting him in. Like it, it, it's fair. I believe both should be in. And I, I will go to my grave saying that like Barry bonds, you're not going to have the all time hits King and the all time home run King. That's like having the all time leading scorer and the all time assist leader, not in the NBA hall of fame. And the only reason why you don't have the all time passing leader and touchdown leader in the hall of fame in the NFL is because the dude's playing in the freaking super bowl and he's 43 years old. Like, <laughs> It's just ridiculous to me because, like, let's be frank here. When you're a kid, you love watching Barry Bonds play. Yes or no? Uh, to be honest, I really don't remember watching Barry Bonds that much. I I didn't like him, though, because I was a huge Braves fan. I didn't want him to break Hank Aaron's record. That's fair. But I loved watching him play, and I remember his home run chase towards the end. Sports Center would cut into it when he was getting closer at, at every home run. Like, the guy, you could argue – was, is the biggest star since 2000. It's him, A-Rod, or Derek Jeter. And the fact he's not in the Hall of Fame is just ridiculous to me. And it's, it's more of this idea of the old guard with the Baseball Writers Association. That's the part that makes me upset more. Like, you might not feel right. You might, like, that, that's kind of it. Like, the, the pompous arrogance. And it's, it's an issue throughout baseball like this old guard kind of feel to the game. And it's, it's a problem throughout baseball and it's included in the hall of fame. And so I, like, I understand your point of view. Like you can tell the story, which I really don't. I think you need him in the hall of fame to tell the true story of baseball. And, and even if like, I tell this to people, if you take out his steroid years, the dude's still a hall of fame baseball player. Like that, that's another argument. Like look at his stats with the pirates. Before, you know, he looked like he was on steroids, really. The dude was a Hall of Fame yeah. player then. And, and that's another reason why. Like, I think I, I could – I understand McGuire and Sosa more because maybe they took a giant uptick in their stats. But Barry Bonds was still, you know, maybe the best player in baseball prior to steroids. It just, you know, ballooned it to another level. Yeah. I do think that they'll all end up in the Hall of Fame eventually, whether they get in next year during their last year on the ballot, or if it's a veterans committee or something else, another way that but we they should end up. never I do think like obviously next year, David Ortiz is getting into the Hall of Fame. I don't think A-Rod's getting in No, because of the same, same crap, but you could argue A-Rod was one of the biggest stars in baseball. He deserves to get in like, and I'm a Yankees fan who didn't like A-Rod as much. So, but it's this old guard kind of feel like, you should never have an empty class, especially with the amount of talent that was in baseball, you know, over this last decade. And it affects, you know, it affects, you know, the Nick Swishers of the world, like the guys who are at the bottom end of that ballot, like Torrey Hunter, for example. Like, I thought Torrey Hunter is a Hall of Fame baseball player, quite frankly. 
but he's going to get dragged down because other players are going to get selected ahead of him by, you know, 60% of the ballot because of how, you know, the old guard feel. Yeah. No, I definitely do think there were a lot of players. There were blank this year ballots. That... People, there was like 13 blank ballots. How do you not vote for any? Like, that's the dumbest that. thing. Like, they should not be able to vote for the Hall of Fame. Like, I don't. Like, Dan Lebatar posted his on dead spin and he lost it. And that's dumb to me. You, you don't fill out, like, you don't pick one player. That, that, that deserves to be revoked. I definitely think there were a lot of players not named Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens or Kurt Schilling who were deserving of getting in the Hall of Fame this year that didn't make it. Billy Wagner, for example, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. He didn't make it this year. So I, I don't know. It is upsetting that no one was voted in, but I, I don't know. I still don't think that Bonds and Clemens should be in. Just because of their steroids use? Like, yeah. But, I just, but another player. So Tom, who, wait, wait a minute. I have a question then. Does Tom Brady okay. deserve to be in the NFL Hall of Fame? Yeah. Then, then, then ever, how can you what not? What has he ever really done? So you have Spygate. Spygate is actual cheating. Like, like that the, was Belichick. That wasn't. Brady. He was on the team, man. He was on the team. All right, he, all right. Let's flip it. Does Bill Belichick belong in the NFL Hall of Fame? Now that's a different question. I mean, yes, he was, he's, he's the greatest the, football coach ever. Barry Bonds could be in the argument for the greatest baseball player that ever lived. Like, it's not even a – like, two, you could argue two of the top five players of all time are not in the Hall of Fame. Two of the – probably two best hitters of all time are not in the Hall of Fame. That is a freaking joke. Like, you can't Man, take that. That's it. Up. Like, that's it. <laughs> That's like plain and simple. Two of the greatest players of all time are not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. They sh- I Would mean- you, honestly, everything aside, just like literally eye test, you put Pete Rose and Barry Bonds in your top 10 of all time, wouldn't you? Yeah. Pete Rose, I think, should be in. He never actually cheated. I understand that. Like, I, I think both should be in, and I think that, like, you can't – I don't think you can say fairly Barry Bond should be in and Pete Rose shouldn't. Like, I don't think that's fair. I, I see the argument that you're making. Yeah, I get that. I think both should be in. Like, if you want to yeah. argue none should be in, I think that's fair. But I think you can't argue, like, one over the other. I think that's not fair, even though there are different circumstances. One was gambling but still could have cheated the game. The other was steroids, which – was a part like the problem is it was I think it was a systematic failure of baseball is why steroids became an issue. Yeah, it was. And and so how could and and let's be real here, a lot of players still could be on steroids in any any sport. There's just so much widespread testing these days though that it's really difficult to get away with it. Oh really? Do some research, mate. I think so. But at least we will have a Hall of Fame ceremony this summer when the class of 2020 gets inducted. Like you said, they weren't able to have that ceremony last summer due to COVID-19. So the class of 2020 will be inducted. 
this coming summer in Cooperstown. Also, player that also back to the old guard crap. Like, let's go back to Jeter not getting in. This is this is more me complaining about the Hall of Fame voting in general. Like, the dude didn't get unanimous because some dude was like, "All right, he's getting in. I'm not going to vote for him." Like, bro. Like, Derek Jeter's one of the most iconic players of all time because of you know him being the captain of the most iconic franchise in baseball for 20 years. The dude deserved to be a unanimous Hall of Famer. So, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks, that I might have got a little loud there. I'm very passionate about this issue because I love the game of baseball and am tired of seeing, you know, the old guard try to ruin it and not make it fun. In the words of Bryce Harper, let's make baseball fun again. I also love the game of baseball, but I also love tacos, and I have three tacos waiting for me, and so I'm trying to wrap this up. <laughs> but you just keep on going. Um, Should we wrap, Matt? Yeah, let's wrap this up with, real quick, talking about the Hall of Fame, a player that we may or may not see in the Hall of Fame in the next five or six years. Dustin Pedroia retired this Monday afternoon. He announced his retirement. The Boston Red Sox second baseman for the past 13-plus years Won two World Series championships, a four-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, MVP. Fantastic career. Unfortunately, injuries derailed his career over the past couple of seasons. He only played, I think, six games in 2018, three games in 2019. Didn't play at all in 2020. Really sad to see the end of his career the way it happened because he was just such a great player. Of course, he's, you know, everyone knows he's five foot nine. He's a short guy. He goes out there. And he, he, he's the guy that proves that height doesn't matter in the game of baseball. It's all about the way you play the game. And no one played the game harder or had as much dedication and loved the game as much as Dustin Pedroia. He's so much fun to watch. Just a really heart and hustle kind of guy. And, uh, you know, wish him the best in retirement. As uh, Growing up, my, my parents were Red Sox fans. And so watched a lot of Red Sox games as a kid. And just watching Dustin Pedroia, I mean, a great player, great career. Just sad to see it end the way that it did. The best compliment I can give to him is he was one of my most hated Red Sox, you know, in his heyday. I think he was great. And, you know, Pedroia, I think will make the Hall of Fame, uh, definitely. If you uh, you want to go see a great video, Danny Vietti, our old guest on the show, uh, shared it. It's how, you know, Pedroia played like 10 years. And, uh, you know, David Ortiz didn't know his first name. So that was highly recommend going watch that. It's pretty funny. I watched that today. So definitely recommend going to look at that video. But hats off to Pedroia. And so that will do it for this week. Make sure you go follow us on all social medias at Foul Bowl Area, at Trey Lyle, at Mackins21. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe where you get our podcast. Matt, thanks so much uh, for talking this week and uh, enjoying my rant. I hope you have a good week, and I hope you uh, enjoy those tacos that you're about to eat. Thanks. Thanks, Trey. I think I will enjoy them very much. Thanks for listening to the Foul Ball Area Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out.